Well, good uh, good evening, everybody. This is Pastor Arthur, and uh, welcome to LM1 Bible Study Wednesday night. I'm excited about uh, being here tonight. I'm excited that you're here, and uh, and our topic for this evening is love. So uh, send out some love, Facebook, and uh, see some. Some hearts going. I'll even send one myself. So there, we'll we'll send out a couple. We'll send out a couple hearts. And uh, uh, tonight's study is is really uh, it's it's going to be really good, actually. <laughs> well, they're all really good. Uh, thanks to Pastor Mark Moore and uh, the book Core Fifty Two. That's has been have has been our devotional or our, our study on Wednesday nights and. Uh, We'll be in it for uh, a few more weeks at least, and uh, we're uh, probably more than that, maybe even a couple months. Got to figure out uh, where we started, because <laughs> we didn't start on number one. So, uh, Anyways, let's open up in a word of prayer. Thank God for allowing us to gather and invite him into our presence to lead and guide and to teach us tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to, to teach and to share your word, to, to have conversation with your people, Lord. And as we dive into your word, Lord, as we, as we look into you and see uh, how we can be more like you and uh, display who you are just a little bit more to the world around us, and uh, that you would be glorified and honored in it, and that lives would be changed and transformed by the renewing of their mind, the washing of your word. And so, Father, we, we thank you for your anointing upon this word tonight, upon this teaching. You have promised that wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, that there you are in our midst. And so we, we do gather in that mighty name of Jesus, Lord, right now. We thank you for him. We give you praise and honor and glory for all that he has done and you have done in our lives. And we just thank you, Lord. Thank you for the rain that came today. And uh, it's an honor to be in your presence. We ask you to do these things for us, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. So. <clears throat> love. Uh, as we all know, the theme or the mission of uh, LM1 is to love God, to love others, and then to um, be empowered by the Holy Spirit or demonstrate that love and that um, commitment to Him with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit through our lives and uh, in all that we do and we lift up, um, you know, our district superintendent, and his family, right now. In fact, let's open it. Let's let's offer them a, a word of prayer as well as as they've been uh, battling some health issues, and we we want to uh, just lift them up to you, to Julie and and Pastor Raleigh and Deandra and the whole family, the whole household. So, Father, we we lift up our district superintendent, Lord, those who are in authority over us, and we. We ask you to touch their bodies, Lord, to heal them tonight. Give them strength, Lord. Remove whatever 
virus, sickness, illness that they may have. We lift up our pastor to you, Lord. We include him in this, Lord, and his ch their children. And Lord, we just ask for your perfect will to be done in their lives and to give them peace that passes all understanding. But more than that, Lord, make them whole. In the name of Jesus, we come. Amen. Amen. So, uh, this passage, um, John 3.16, very familiar passage, one of the famous, most famous passages of all. Uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And, and from this, the chapter begins with the question of how can I love and be loved? And what a great question. You know, we've often said you can't give away what you don't have. And so how can you love if you've never been loved? <laughs> Doesn't seem that that would be possible. So we have to have been loved first in order to be able to give love. So how can I love and be loved? Well, I have to have been loved first, and, uh, and then I am able to give that back out. And so if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he has showered his love upon us, and we'll, we'll see that more as we go on this evening. But this is a, a, an, a powerful question. Um, as we talk about love and, and even the idea of, of what is love, to, to think about that and to, to come up with our own understanding and our own definitions of it, we know that if Christianity was reduced to a single word, it would be love. And, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And that he was talking to Peter and and that rock is the rock of revelation, the rock of revelation knowledge. But really, when we talk about Christianity, we're, we're not talking about a, a, just a religion of a philosophy or a philosophy of a religion. We're talking about an embodiment of deity and the truth. And so when we think of Christianity, or at least it should be that when we think of Christianity, if it was reduced down to one word, love would be it. But it gives us the opportunity to ask ourselves, um, what, what does love mean? How do I define love? Where did that word come from? Or what does it express? And how does it show up, not only in my life? Because the other question was, well, how, how can I love and be loved? Well, how do we define love? Love. How do we define what this is or what it means, especially when I say, well, I love you? And depending on who I'm saying that to, if I'm saying that to my wife, it, it certainly has a different uh, meaning and intention and experience than if I'm saying it to Pastor Javi or um, any of my friends or you at the church or members. To you, who, which I do love, and I, we want to express that. And uh, uh, wouldn't it be wonderful to just be able to love all people? I, I think we're supposed to, right? And uh, to be able to express that. So let's, uh, 
We see that love is common conversation in movies, in music, in romance. We see it has, again, a, a definition of all of its own as we, we watch the love stories and we listen to the music and the songs about uh, love and finding love or losing love or, <clears throat> um, you know, country music, <laughs> singing about heartbreak and... Uh, <clears throat> and uh, and it's a powerful emotion. It's a powerful inclusion in our lives. But what is the biblical definition of love? So if we have what is a non-biblical definition of love, and we have a biblical definition of love, we can compare the two, and we can maybe learn from or decide which one is more powerful and which one has more, um, what the emphasis of them might be. And so, <clears throat> as we look at the, the biblical definition, because uh, this is a Bible study, so we're going to look at a biblical definition, <clears throat> because again, we, we started with, well, how can I love and be loved? And we said, we can't give away what you don't have, so what came to us first? And the Greek language used four words for love, phileia, which was friendship. Um, I think this is storge. I don't have the little symbol above the E. <laughs> um, but it's a familial love. It's an affection. It's a, a friendship. It's, it's a, a parental love or a sibling type love. And then there's eros, which is the erotic or sexual desire and lust and, and all of those emotions that, that that invokes into our lives. And which is a part of our life. These are all a part of who we are. It's a, it's a form of love. It's an expression of love. It's, uh, you know, it's what makes Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, and, uh, and just our friendships, and, and we have to have those. And, and then there's another word, agape. And this word agape, unconditional and unmerited. And so as we, as we look at well, what was my definition of it beforehand? How do I define it? How do I express it? What do I, how do I experience it? How do I give it away? If I can't give away what I don't have, but how do I receive it? And then how do I share it? How do I give it away to others? When we look at agape, we look at a love that causes people to sacrifice their lives for others. It's the love offered freely, regardless of the recipient's value, merit, or ability to repay. What a powerful definition. What a powerful understanding of this agape love that, that causes people to sacrifice their lives for, um, for somebody else. And that being offered freely. And so as we embrace this love, which is different than the eros love, or it's different than the phileo love. It's different than the friendship love. It's, it's a love that is, is, is set aside. It's all on its own, on the power of it causing people to sacrifice their lives for others. It's freely offered, regardless of the recipient's value, merit, or ability to repay. I, I love that 
definition and explanation. And what we find out is that Christianity created agape. This definition or this experience revealed to us in the Gospel of John describing God's sacrificial love by giving his son Jesus. We saw that that agape love causes people to sacrifice their lives for others. It's the love offered freely. And we, and we see as God has given his only begotten son, he, he so loved the word, the world with a agape love that he was able to sacrifice his only son because of it and for those whom could receive it. And what we see is we, we think in terms of feeling versus action that love is often described in our language as a feeling, in our normal language, in our, in our own understanding. It's, it's, well, I don't feel like I'm in love with you anymore. Or I don't feel like I, I love this person or, or I don't feel like doing that. In Christianity, love is an action. It's it's the idea of how we feel versus what we do. Christianity, love is an action. And so this agape love, this agape love that, that was an action of sacrifice, of restoration, of choosing to love. For God so loved the world, He chose. And that action resulted in more action of, of actually sending his only begotten son to die on a cross, to restore that which was lost, to restore the opportunity of, of righteousness. And we, we see this love, this agape love, this love in action, in action. And we see that God has commanded us to love, that based on what God did for us in Christ, rather than what we initially do to earn or achieve God's love. And as you can see, I've highlighted the us. I've underlined it. I've put it in red. I wanted to separate it from the rest of this text. Because we're commanded to love, but it's based on what God did for us. And I want us to understand who the us is that God did this for. It's, it's not the us that we become after we get born again. It's the us we were before we were born again. For God so loved the world, the whole world, and he still loves the whole world. Those that want something, that want him in their life, and those that don't want him in their life. Those that, that us is those that are, that can't repay that aren't worthy, that aren't valued in, in the, the world's eyes. But based on what God did for us in Christ, and so when we become born again, now we are receiving the, the benefit of being in Christ, but not because of what we've done. Rather, what we initially do, we can't earn or achieve God's love. It's been freely given to us. And yet it's the highest level of love that can be uh, received and, and, uh, and given 
to somebody else. John 3.16, we, we realize, is one of the most famous verses, but it makes for a great question of why does God love us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But why? Why did he do that? Why was he interested in doing that? Why was he motivated to do that? Why did he follow through with it? <laughs> why did he choose to do that? Why does God love the world when it hated him, when it still hates him, when it wants nothing to do with him? And yet it's that same sense of separation, that same sense of denial, that same intentionality of, of being separate from him that he continues to pursue all people, that whosoever will. So why does God love? Why do you love somebody? Why do you love those who you have in your life? Or why do you love strangers? Or do you? <laughs> love strangers do we value all people can we look at all people as a creation of God as the image created in the image of God and since God chose to love all people can we also do that regardless of whether they deserve it or not I certainly didn't deserve God's love prior to receiving it but I'm grateful that I received his love and I acknowledged his action of love and his demonstration of love. And I became born again at 21 years old. But why does God love us? God loves us because he can't help himself. <laughs> I love that. He just can't help himself. Thinking of God as he's forced to love because he tells us in his word in 1 John 4, 8, the one who does not love does not know God for God is love. And it's not just what he does. It's who he is. Why does God love us? Because he can't do anything else. He, he, he is forced simply because that is who he is. He is, he is God. He is love. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. What a powerful understanding as to why does God love us. It's because it's who he is. And if that's who he is and he has extended his love to us, how can I love others and be loved? Well, I'm being loved by God who is love. For God so loved the world, that, for God so loved Arthur that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross so that I could find restoration and healing in my life and, and righteousness and receive grace. And he extended that to me because he can't do anything other than that. Because God is love. See, I'm not love. I have to choose to love. I have to... Uh, allow for love to be a part of my life or to be a part of my choices or to be a part of my actions. I can imitate God's love. I can learn from his love. I can see how he has loved me. Just like 
I learned to love my children by my parents learning, teaching me. I experienced my love, I experienced love from my parents. Their best definition of love, their best attempt at love, their best provision of love. But yet, it wasn't this agape God love, because only God could do that. And as we receive that, then we can give that to others. Romans 8, 38, 39 tells us, as the Apostle Paul said, for I am convinced. Are you convinced? Are you convinced to the point that you know, that you know, that you know, that the rest of this passage works in your life? That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I don't know if there's aliens out there in outer space, and but it doesn't matter. Because even if there is nor, uh, they, nothing nor other any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. God has already established that it's an unbreakable and unbond, an unbreakable, it, it can't be removed, it can't be taken from us. I, I believe that we can walk away from it. I believe that we could not receive it. We could not live in it. But are you convinced that the love of God in your life is, is there forever? Even the things that I do or the mistakes that I make are not enough for the love of God to um, be removed from my life. And I know you guys are surprised that I might make a mistake in my life. But even that, if I don't, if I miss the mark, if I don't live up to the expectations, even God's expectations of me, even his hope for me, even the things that he wants from me, if I, if I miss it, if I blow it, the one thing that I am convinced of is that his love will always be there. We, we can't have that same sense or feeling in human relationships. We can try and we can do better to, to show that that love will always be there. But this is, this is the love. This is, this is the ultimate love, the love of God. And so as we, as we realize that, we have our turn. That God says in 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There's an obligation. How can I love and be loved? Well, when I'm first loved, when God has first loved me, He has, he has bestowed His love on me. He has shed my, he has, his love has been shed abroad in my heart by His Holy Spirit. And because of that, because of what I have experienced in Him and through Him and with Him, 
First John says we ought to love one another. I think that's a that word ought to. It's not really a a, cho- a, um, a multiple choice question. It's not a um, it's not something that we can negotiate with. It's something that we not ought to, but we should. We have to. We are obligated to love one another. If God so loved us, He has demonstrated His love for us in sending His Son to die on the cross. If God did that, if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for me, then my obligation to that is to love others. And how do I do that? To be kind and to be attentive, to be gentle, to be um, helpful, to to love. <laughs> Like God loved me. Matthew 19, 19 tells us to honor your father and your mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, we see it's not just an an obligation or it's not just an option. It's we have been, if we are in Christ Jesus, if we have received his love in the fullness of, of his sanctification and of his regeneration of our lives, then we are obligated to love our neighbor as ourselves. 1 John 3.16 says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Comes back to love being an action, not a feeling. That we know by this love that he laid down his life. One of the greatest loves, no greater love than this, than someone who laid down their life for another. And because, again, I can't give away what I don't have, but this has been given to me. And so since it's been given to me, I can learn from it and I can be transformed by this love. And when I'm transformed by this love, then I transform others. Because I extend out what I have received, what has been given unto me. And it comes back to us defining what love is and how do I define love? How do I express love to my children or to my wife or to my husband or to my my parents or to those around me in my inner circle and my family and then those that are outside of my inner circle? To my neighbors, to my friends, to those that are total strangers. How do we extend this God agape kind of love that we have received that Jesus laid down his life for us so that we ought to lay our lives down for those and and if we if we have something that we can give to somebody else as an expression of that love then we ought to do it and it's a choice First, and John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, 
Then one lay down his life for his friends, for Jesus has no limits. For Jesus' love has no limits. He's teaching that, that I'm getting ready to do this for you. And I want you to be able to do it to others. We see that Jesus reduced the entire Old Testament law to two, into two laws. Mark 12, 29 and 31, as Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, and Leviticus 19, 18. He said, Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Started out with 10 commandments. Jesus said, hey, let's, let's break this down to two. I can just only imagine what it will be like. <laughs> what it would be like across our nation, across our world, across our families, across our neighborhoods, across our governments, across our military, across the world. If these two things predominantly directed our actions and our intentions, and we truly lived loving God as one with all of our heart and our soul and our mind, our strength, and then we loved each other, our neighbors as ourselves, what an amazing, what amazing, wonderful world it would be. <laughs> I don't know, I feel like singing. <laughs> Core 52, he writes, Christian love is an outward orientation of action, not an internal emotion of affection. An outward orientation of action, not an internal emotion of affection. In other words, it's it's the choice to act outwardly on behalf of the needs of others. It's to say, I want to make your life more important than mine. I want to help you however I can in whatever you need right now. And it might be financial support, and if we can, we can. If we can't, we can. It might be emotional support. It might be just being in the presence of somebody who may have lost a family member. Dealing with this uh, new normal that we found ourselves in where maybe a family member had been in the hospital and, and you didn't get to see them before they passed. And to deal with that or, or just relationships gone bad or anxiety or anxiousness or work's not going great or health issues. It might just be a, a, an expression of, hey, we don't even have to talk. I can just sit in the room with you. Or it might just be a text, just to send them a text and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Love you. It's an outward expression, a Christian 
Love is an outward orientation of action. It's demonstrated by Jesus. It was an outward demonstration of action that he laid down his life for those who needed it. <laughs> we needed it. How can we treat God with sacrificial love? Great question. Because God doesn't need anything from us. What, what an interesting question. What is it that I could give God? Can I tithe more to God? Can I do something physically? I can't heal God. I can't... Um, what is it that I would have <laughs> that I would, would benefit God in any way? Even the tithe is... Is, is to benefit ourselves. God tells us, trust me, test me. How can we treat God with sacrificial love? If agape love is that sacrificial love of giving of ourselves, of dying to ourselves, and God doesn't need anything from us, how can we express our love for God practically? What, what ways can we demonstrate that we actually love God, that we're in love with God, that we have a relationship with Him, that we love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. And what, an what a powerful question. How can we treat God with sacrificial love? Well, every parent knows the answer to that question, and it is simply to love his children. What a gift that we could give God by loving his children. Loving each other. I remember the girls, Emily and Julia, as they were growing up, and and they would they would fight just like all children would with each other, and they would uh, they would carry on. and And I remember the one day, the trip. We're driving in the car, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and I watched the two of them in the back seat, laughing and playing getting along and just enjoying each other. They were loving each other. And as a parent, that, that was a day that I remember. It was a day that was a, it, it was a shift in their relationship. And, and my goodness, 20 years later, probably almost, they talk every day probably several times a day. <laughs> what can we do to God? The question is, how can we treat God with sacrificial love? Love his, his children. Love each other. Do what God has called us to do. There's, there's three areas of our lives that we, that we can love. We can love our neighbors. God has told us to love family and to love our enemies. To love. To love our neighbors in 1 Corinthians 13, chapters 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind, is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong, suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Wow. To love one another. To not hold things 
to not make a list of all of the wrongs, to not take into account all the wrongs suffered, to love one another. To love our families in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's a big responsibility. In 1 Peter 3.7, it tells us to honor our wives so that our prayers will not be hindered. Powerful passage of Scripture to remind us to love our families, to to be Christ-centered and Christ-action-oriented. And how do we learn to do this? How do we learn? We learn by the sacrifice that has been given to us as Christ gave himself up for the church, for us. And then the hard one, which is to love our enemies. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And in Luke 23, 34, But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. What we have to realize is that there was about two years that had passed from Matthew 5, 44 to Luke 23, 34. It was easy for Jesus in Matthew to tell them, Hey, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because there wasn't any doing that. But two years later, you fast forward to Jesus on the cross where he says, Father, forgive them. These are his enemies. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And it's okay. Because I'm here to sacrifice who I am. I'm here to sacrifice and do your work to restore them back unto you. Because of God's love, we have found hope and help. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, above all, above all means above all. (laughs) So above all, above all things, above your family, your relationships, your job, your careers. But you, can, you can have those. But place this idea above all of those things or all of those pursuits. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, this is telling us that, hey, this right here, if No matter what else is going on in your life, keep this, understand this, practice this, implore this, use this, live in this, make this a part of your life. Above all, keep fervent, steady, strong, intentional in your love for one another. Jesus even said, they'll know that you're my disciple by your love for one another. There's a, there's a message about this agape love that, that God really wants us to get a hold of that will cover a multitude of sins. 
that will transform lives. Because if this can transform my life, then maybe it can transform your life. And maybe if it can transform my life and it'll transform my family and then it'll transform my neighbor and then it'll transform our block and then it'll transform our community and it'll transform our state. And then it could transform our world. There's so much right now that everybody focuses on what divides us and what separates us. What about what we're for? What about what we're, we're, we're moving towards and holding on to? And, and if this was, if above all things, above all politics, above all sports, above all everything, we were all, all of the people of this world were fervent in your love for one another, in our love for one another, what a different world we would have. What a wonderful world we would have. It's one I envision and I hope for because love covers a multitude of sins. As we close this evening, we are reminded that first John, that John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and because of that, there's an opportunity for us to choose him. If you're watching this Bible study tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can have one just simply by saying, Lord, I want to accept you into my life. Romans tells us that if we confess our mouth with if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died and rose from the dead, that we will be saved. And it's an outpouring of God's love that he said no greater love than this exists than one would lay down their life for another and that's exactly what Jesus did that's exactly what God did in the form of Jesus in the form of flesh all because for God so loved us and he loved us because that's what he is he had no choice he doesn't know how to do anything else other than love us. Well, he does know how to do other things. But he can't not not love us. He cannot not love. And because of that, there's hope in our life. Because of that, there's restoration in our lives. Because of that, we can become a new creation. And our lives can be transformed by the renewing of our minds, the washing of the word, and we can love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And we can transform this world. We can change this world. One choice at a time. One person at a time. And it starts with us. It starts with me. And it starts with you, and we just carry it out. We be carriers of change. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your, for your word. I thank you for how you orchestrated your, your love in our lives. 
I'm grateful and I'm indebted to you, Lord. But you already know that I have no means of paying it back. And that's why you gave it to me free. That's why you had told us that we can't earn it. But that we can receive it. And so, Father, I pray for your, your love to continue to, to permeate throughout this world. And I, and I pray that, that the body of Christ, I pray that those who say they know God, say they love God, that it is demonstrated through the power of the Holy Spirit into the lives of those they come in contact with. Father, let, let me demonstrate your love or let your love be demonstrated through me to all those who cross my paths and whose paths I cross. And let my life, Father, be an instrument of your grace and of your mercy. Let my life be a conduit that flows through, that, that your love flows through me out into every person that passes my path. Thank you, Father, for revealing yourself to me. And we just give you praise and honor and glory. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. God bless, and we'll see you on Sunday. Mm -hmm.